I'm Darren Millard, and presented by The Hockey Shop, source for sports Surrey, thehockeyshop.com, this is In Goal Radio, the podcast. Welcome to episode 31, which offers a unique experience. 30 minutes, hanging out in a dressing room, listening to the winningest goaltender in Montreal Canadiens history. In Goal Magazine, partnering with Eli Wilson, was on hand for the annual Carey Price Day at Eli Wilson Goalie School. The camp attendees spending on and off ice sessions with Price. I could also phrase that by saying Price joined the campers in their sessions because the NHLer was one of them, dressing, doing the same drills and workouts as his amateur colleagues. On hand for the experience, documenting the question and answer session, the co-founders of Ingoal Magazine, Kevin Woodley and David Hutchison. You guys have been lucky enough to have been through this a couple of times now, and Hutch, we'll start there. Describe the day for us. It's a full-on day that begins around uh, 8 o'clock in the morning, maybe a little bit before when uh, Carrie and his father, who's also part of the day, uh, they arrive at the rink, and all the kids' gear is unloaded for them, um, sort of by, as if by professional trainers, and uh, the kids are whisked off to, uh, to breakfast, uh, just uh, in a room above the rink. And uh, there's a sit-down breakfast with Carrie, which is, for me, actually one of the coolest parts of the whole day because, because Carrie and the kids and Eli are sitting around a table. And uh, as you can imagine, Eli has everybody introduce themselves. And Carrie um, very humbly introduces himself as if he's uh, one of the kids. So I'm Fred from Surrey. I'm George from Calgary. And somebody else stands up and says, hi, my name's Carrie, and I'm from Anaheim Lake, British Columbia. And uh, this year, he also began like it was part of a self-help group. And he said, hi, my name's Kerry, and I'm a goaltender. Uh, <laughs> kind of fun. Um, so they, they have breakfast together. All the parents are, are also in the room getting a chance to, to see their kids from afar. And, uh, and then the kids get to go down to the dressing room. They use a, a junior dressing room, which they share with Kerry. And as they walk in, all their gear is set up. And uh, quite excitingly, all the brand new gear, because most of the kids as part of the camp have received uh, a full set of custom gear from our friends at CCM. Uh, so it's like Christmas morning uh, all over again. First they meet their hero, then they see their new gear, and and goaltenders enjoy both of those. Uh, for the day, a couple of on-ice sessions, a couple of dry land sessions, uh, one led by um, Carrie, one led by Maria Mountain, who we all know is goalietrainingpro.com and, and a great off-ice training expert for goaltenders. And, uh, and the two on ice sessions are led like a standard Eli camp, uh, with one big exception, the, uh, demo goalie happens to be the best goalie in the world. So Eli brings everybody in, explains the drill, and then Carrie demonstrates exactly what they'll be doing. Um, I think at that point, the, uh, shooters that have been brought in for the day are probably a little bit nervous and a little bit excited. Um, somebody wants to get one past Carrie if they can, and they're terrified they might crack him in the melon. Uh, fun to watch all of that happening and a uh, series of drills. Uh, Kerry takes a station himself. He's in full gear, obviously, since he was demoing, uh, he's coaching at the station. He's fooling around with the kids. Um, very relaxed in the last few years, uh, whole lot of fun to watch. And, uh, and then in between there, uh, as I said, they're sharing a dressing room. So there's a lot of chit chat in the room. Uh, kids are understandably pretty quiet and pretty nervous. Um, but, uh, Kevin, does his best to try and pull some questions out of the kids and lead a little bit of discussion. And eventually they loosen up and, and it's very organic. Uh, you'll have Carrie 
grabbing a kid and teaching him how to tie the toe ties on his uh, brand new gear. Uh, I've seen Carrie do up skates for kids. It's uh, it's really it's a, a fantastic day. Just want to pick up on one thing that you you mentioned there, and, and Woody uh, tossed this one your way. Uh, he Price just wasn't signing autographs and posing for pictures out there. He he got a little bit of work done in the crease. Yeah, you know, I mean, he does the drills. He demos every drill, and as Hutch said, and you know, my favorite part is we mic him up um, and shoot his station, and he will uh, just the feedback um, that he gives the kids. Um, you know, and the shooters if they're not doing their job. Uh, so <laughs> yes. really cool to see like, hey, like, you know, if, especially you, you have a wide mix. You got some kids that are like, you know, on the on the verge of junior um, and you have some kids that are just getting started. And that's that's tough as a goalie coach. But he does a really good job of finding little tidbits um, for these kids that help them make saves, whether it's hand position um, for the for the for the older players, you know some of the movement patterns and some of the keys to his movement pattern. How he wraps his blocker on the stick side, uh, when he sticks his stick out, when he holds it in, stick position keys, um, and then he gets out and demos and, and and like I said, he'll he'll pop in there and do some reps himself. So uh, I mean, he's there a long time. There's three hours of ice times throughout the day, uh, and you know he spends like I said, he spends a good chunk of that either demoing reps or sneaking in a few himself, especially as, as the younger kids get tired throughout the day, they sometimes need to sometimes need a break. And, uh, there are worse things to do than watch Kerry hop in and take a couple reps himself. Not a, not a bad guy to lead your drills. He, uh, his red pads that he used uh, at the day were a big uh, topic of conversation. So was all his equipment. Uh, somebody asked about his pants. He goes, "I I only use what I like, and uh, that's that's where I where I go with my decision." So uh, along with our discussion with Price uh, in Goal Radio, the podcast today takes a trip to the hockey shop, uh, Sorcerer Sports Surrey. Woody and Cam are on a run right now of upper body gear, focusing on the Vaughn chest and arm. Uh, I'm envious that you guys have boots on the ground over at the hockey shop, Woody. Yeah, it's always uh, it's always fun. Uh, even going there on a weekly basis, there's still always new stuff. Like like I still geek out, right? Still grab stuff off the. Especially if Cam's busy helping customers, uh, have to wait a little bit before we have a chit chat. Um, I'm still grabbing stuff off the wall and playing with it. Uh, interesting one we'll have coming up here, and to me, a sign of what the hockey shop's all about. Um, we talked before about the the inner glove that sometimes kids wear, the lizard skin's inner glove. And we did a piece on it and we did a seg- gear segment on it. it was black. And I went in there this week and the inner glove is white. And that is based on us in goal, giving Jake Keeley, Vancouver Canucks prospect, uh, signed out of the NCAA last year, a black lizard skins glove to be a tester for us, to test it and see what he likes. And he loved it. He switched out of a traditional like baseball batting glove to use this under his glove in his first year pro. However, as a heavy sweater, he found that the black bled. So he ordered himself a couple sets of white, shared that feedback with us. We shared it with the hockey shop. And guess what? The hockey shop's next next uh, sort of batch of inventory of the Lizard Skins gloves is white. That's what you get when you go to the hockey shop. You get goalies that understand what goalies need, goalies that listen to feedback from other goaltenders working in the store, uh, sharing that feedback, sharing those insights, sharing all those years of experience to help you play your best. And of course, when you're down there in the basement, it means not just batting gloves and unique little elements. It means all the latest from all the biggest brands. 
CCM. We'll talk about the Vaughn chest protectors today. Uh, Warrior, Bauer, Bryans, you name it, they've got it. They've got the latest. They've got the best. And as we're talking Vaughn chest protectors today, for our American listeners, a reminder, thehockeyshop.com, not only do they have some of the best pricing, but that's a product that crosses borders. Not all do, but that's one that does. And so if you're a U.S. customer, take advantage of your exchange rate. Make sure you contact them at thehockeyshop.com and stretch that dollar a little further, uh, courtesy of that better exchange rate. Uh, You can always find any answers you need to questions. Make sure you check them out again, hockeyshop.com. And if you're blessed enough to live in the best part of the world like I am, uh, Vancouver and the Lower Mainland. Make sure you check them out in person. The Hockey Shop Source for Sports in Surrey, British Columbia. Uh, it's worth the short drive out from Vancouver if you're visiting. It really is a slice of goalie heaven. It's Disneyland. If you're if you're in the Lower Mainland and you're a goalie, that's that's the amusement park, uh, the attraction that you that you want to stop by. But but with a few few less kids, few less yeah, kids running good, around good screaming. That's yeah. I mean, I, although Cam tends now to have fans sort of, you know, they, they're fanboying on them. Mm-hmm. So it's not quite the princess at Disney and the little girls running around screaming, chasing them around the store. But yeah, he's, he's, he's becoming a big deal down there. <laughs> no, he's our Winnie the Pooh. Uh, <laughs> he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna be really upset. He's going to love you for that, that one. But, hey, I could have went well, one of the seven dwarves too, but I, I opted to stay away from that. Uh, he's a, he's a little segments coming up. I was After just going to say, he's a little inside, taller, yeah. Darren. Sorry, buddy. He's a little taller. But the head, sh- the head size is yeah. getting similar to Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> uh, we're going to take you inside the dressing room uh, in Kelowna, where a handful of goalies were lucky enough to spend some time uh, the entire day uh, training with Carey Price. So we at InGoal convinced Eli Wilson to leave about a 30-minute gap in the schedule for a casual in-the-dressing-room conversation with Carey. And that's that's where... Uh, the kids really come out of their shelves because it's it's their domain. And for broadcast purposes, just want to let you know, uh, I voiced all but one of the questions, which cover a wide range of topics. We thought it was important that uh, you, the listener on the podcast, were able to hear hear the questions uh, as well. So you'll you'll hear me uh, repeating the questions that the uh, that the kids uh, fired Carrie's way. So at the end of this episode as well, one more heads up: we'll let Carrie walk you through how he tapes and prepares his sticks. That's coming up at the end of episode 31. But we start our feature interview with Price discussing a little end-of-summer stick experiment. Price has been toying with the idea of using a shorter paddle. Presented by thehockeyshop.com, here is Kerry Price and his explanation. Okay, so I guess I will start with my paddle links. Uh, this morning I was trying out a paddle length that was a little bit shorter. Um, I'm just trying it out because I wanted to see what it was like. And the consensus is it's all right. Um, I felt, just felt like I was, uh, I missed a few, I missed a few this morning. Um, went over top of the puck a couple times. Obviously, it's about an inch shorter, so I found that steering steering the puck was uh, was just different. I'm just used to I've, I've used a, a 26 inch long paddle, you know, for a long time now, and I like it. I just wanted to try this one out because in tight, I just find that it kind of brings your your arm in a little bit closer. But 
you know, I think uh, I think at the end of the day, I'll probably just continue to use what I've been using, just because uh, I'm just used to it. So uh, I think this session I'll go to I'll go to the happy medium and go to 25 and a half just to try it out. But uh, hopefully I don't whiff on any uh, any more low shots this morning. And I uh, I do like I do like a short paddle uh, for things that are in tight. You know, I just feel like it just it's just easier to control, like little short gather up little short rebounds and whatnot. But I feel like I can do that the same with my twenty six inch paddle. So now I'll give the I'll give the happy medium a run and we'll see how that goes. Um, as far as my tape job goes, um, as you can see, I cut down my stick a little bit. I just find it's a little bit easier to stick handle with. It has its pros and cons as well. It's harder to elevate the puck for long distances if you're going to shoot it around the glass or clear the zone, but uh, has its benefits in making short passes. So everything has pros and cons. You will take us through taping a stick at the end of this podcast episode, but jumping off that, Carrie, how often do you swap out sticks? Before every game, typically I'll use a new stick. Um, most of the time, not all the time, unless it's just been used for maybe just the game previous, or I kind of kind of go based on the wear and tear of each individual stick. So I won't always use a brand new stick, but typically I'll use, uh, you know, like that's, that's been like four practices, you know, so that's pretty banged up. Guys shoot pretty hard and they crack. And so typically what I'll do is I'll run the stick that I used in the previous game for the next practice. And then uh, probably that morning skate, and then I'll use maybe a brand new one if it's really banged up. Or if we're playing back-to-back -back games, sometimes I'll just use the same stick as the game before. So uh, kind of just depends on how beat up they get. But I face a lot of shots in practice, and guys shoot pretty hard, so we go through a lot of sticks. So comparing the current composite stick to foam core, how has durability or consistency improved? Uh, yeah, foam core would tend to get waterlogged typically in the bottom if you get a few cracks in the bottom. Um, I, I was using a, a laminated top, you know, so a lot of times you get a couple shots off the top of your stick and the laminate would kind of chip. Trainers love that because they love getting fiberglass slivers in their fingers. And uh, they would just kind of just delaminate it. And they, I didn't wind up breaking a lot of those sticks. They just that laminate would kind of pop and make a bubble and that was enough to to make it unusable so yeah i do get a lot more consistency and uh they actually don't break as often as i found as wood core sticks do they just kind of get worn out and you know they i find like a lot of my sticks after after a lot of uh a lot of a lot of shot, like hard low shots, would start to kind of crack in the middle if I'm getting good, good, good stoppage, or get getting good contact and not deflecting it. A lot of times, a guy will shoot it directly, like in your five hole, and they would just catch it just in the right area. But they do hold up pretty good. I can't complain. They hold up better than the foam core sticks used to. Carrie is wearing the solid red pads right now. 
why use those pads, Kerry, in the summer and switch to the white pads for the NHL's regular season? Yeah, I've just been uh, been using these red pads uh, for the summertime. Uh, I got them for practice at the end of last year. So when I go back to Montreal, I'll have my white and red ones. So this is just for uh, for summer hockey. Uh, white looks bigger. Um, visually, it's just they just look much bigger. Um, <laughs> I think the red ones look cool. Like I like the aesthetics of these, but just white. Uh, there's just something about white pads that just make you look larger. Is it hard to switch between pads during the regular season? No, I, you know what? Uh, the back, the back side of my pads and my gloves are all red. So when I'm kind of looking at everything myself, it almost looks the same. So, uh, but actually when I wear these ones, the, I look down on them this way. After wearing these, the white ones look bigger. So I don't know, it's just, they're not the same. I know that, but just visually they're bigger. How do you handle traveling with your team and, and then dealing with time zone changes? It's easier being in the East because we play in the same time zone a lot. Um, but when we do go out west, it's not so bad because you're put, you're, it's not as bad traveling west as it is going from west to east. Um, so we have it relatively easy. Have to admit, this is a good one. Uh, what happened to the handkerchief for your suit at the NHL Awards? No, <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't have. Uh... I didn't have a handkerchief for my uh, for my suit in the All Star or the the award show, so I had to improvise. Carrie, <laughs> being drafted is a big accomplishment. How hard is it to then make the NHL team? You know, it's uh, it's it's I guess it's uh, it's nice getting drafted. Um, you have to play well at the right times in front of the right people to get drafted. You know, maybe a couple times here and there, you might impress somebody at the right time, but then you get drafted. And then to make the team, you have to play well all the time. So it's, uh, it's, it's even harder once you, uh, once you get drafted. What is it like playing for Team Canada? That's fun. It's, uh, playing for Canada is a, a very, uh, very cool experience in being that everybody is so, so efficient at their job. You know, like you play, I played, uh, obviously for the Olympics and the World Cup. And when you, when you play with players like that, you just know that somebody's going to be doing their job. So you just like, it's just like an ultimate sense of, you know, things are going to get done. So you just have to worry about doing your, just doing your job. So, and you know that if everybody's doing their job, you're going to win. So it's just, it's such a, I guess it's a, pretty satisfying feeling when you when you end up winning and, and you just know you just knew it from start to finish that if you did everything right you were going to win how long before a game do you like to arrive at the rink it depends i usually uh road games i'll get there just when the bus goes we usually have two buses going there between two and a half to two hours before um at home i'll typically get there two and a half hours before a game during that time, what's your pregame routine? Uh, it's pretty typical. I just think get there and have a cup of coffee and tape up a stick and talk with the teammate, my teammates about uh, about a couple of different things. Whether it's uh, you know what 
situations that happened last game or situations that happened the last game against that team. And then we, uh, I'll do some stretching and then we'll have a, like a pregame meeting with the, with the coaches about, you know, their, their forecheck, what we want to do on our forecheck. A lot of, a lot of things that don't necessarily, you know, have to do with what I'm doing out there. Um, so I kind of drift in and out of, of, of paying attention <laughs> um, based on based on what we're doing or what they're talking about because I know I know a lot of things don't necessarily pertain to what what I need to do like like our four check I don't I don't really really know what we're going to be doing on our four check necessarily but I'm all but during that time I'm thinking about other things like what we just talked about on their four check I'll be thinking about ways to, to beat that so I'm not zoned out thinking about you know what I'm going to eat for dinner after the game. I'm just thinking about other things. Carrie, would you rather have a farm or a house in the city? Courtesy of one of our kids. Oh, definitely a hobby farm. Not a real farm, because real farming is a lot of work. But I do like having a little bit of acreage and uh, and having a little bit of space. Growing up, Carrie, who is your favorite goalie? I had a few uh, favorites. I guess they've uh, they've kind of varied between different stages in my life. I like Kirk McLean, obviously, when he was with the Canucks, and I like Patrick Waugh, obviously, and Marty Brodeur, which are probably two really uh, influential guys on my career or my uh, my youth. Yeah, well, yeah, obviously, Dad. He's uh, a big part of the reason that uh, I got playing goal in the first place. Did you always want to be a goalie? And what age did you get the vibe that maybe you had something special going and decided to take playing goal seriously? wanted to play goal when I was uh, really young, you know, when I first started playing hockey in general, I was in the backyard. And then as I, uh, you know, got got a little bit older into like the Adams age, I started playing defense and worked on my skating abilities and went to hockey schools as a defenseman and kind of, uh, kind of just worked on my, I guess what essentially would be is just like my hockey skills. And then uh, as I got older, I went back to goaltending again. And uh, by the time I was about uh, I was about 11, I suppose, it was kind of when I, I made a Pee-wee AAA team as an 11-year-old. And then it kind of took off from there. This question coming courtesy of an online submission that follows up the previous question nicely. This one from a nine-year-old goalie. And she wants to know how you balance school and hockey when you were younger. Did you miss school for hockey? And what took priority? Oh, it was, it was balancing. Um, I've always had very understanding teachers. Um, hockey, hockey and school or, you know, things that you're going to have to deal with as a, as a young person. I uh, definitely missed my, missed my share of classes traveling, but at the end of the day, I was always uh, diligent at getting my work done. What sport would you play, Carrie, if you didn't play hockey? I don't know. Uh, I have a lot of hobbies that uh, I enjoy. Um, I played a lot of golf when I was in high school. Do you listen to music before the game? Yeah, uh, it's always on the radio or on the stereo, so it's, you don't really have a choice unless you wear earplugs. <laughs> Your favorite ice cream flavor? I don't know, I like vanilla because you can mix vanilla with anything, just about. The only question that I will not ask myself, this one's from Maria Mountain from Goalie Training Pro and 
Revolution Conditioning. Maria. Um, so sometimes when bullies that I work with could be that 17 years old and you know, they're trying to find where the next level is for them and other times all you're like, like I didn't feel motivated to do my workout, my training today. Like, so does that mean I don't like hockey or, you know, they're almost having a crisis of faith because they mm-hmm. feel like they should be like, oh, like, what, you know, I'm imagining you feel that way some days. And mm-hmm. so is there something you just tell yourself, like, to help, you know, do it and move forward? Yeah, well, yeah, there's lots of days where you don't feel like getting hit with a puck, but it's, uh, it's part of what I do. It's part of my job. And at the end of the day, as a professional, you know, I'm getting paid to do it. Um, but there are things, aspects of the, of the job that aren't fun. And everybody's got to do things at some point in their life that they don't enjoy doing or aren't motivated to do. But, you know, like say a workout after a game the next day is difficult to do some days. But at the end of the day... You know, it's going to make you better. And you, for me, you got to be able to. You have to be able to find that motivation yourself to drive yourself to do the things that you that aren't necessarily fun or or what you want to be doing. But you know that they're going to be essential to your success. Back to the campers, Carrie. How much do you get paid? <laughs> I make enough to take care of my children and maybe their children. Uh, you told us last year, Carrie, that you like reading. Yeah, I do. I um, I do like reading a lot. Um, I like learning new things too. Um, you know, I like uh, like learning how to do things, learning about how things work. I guess I kind of got a I got a different mind in that sense. Um, always kind of thinking things, and reevaluating things, thinking outside the box. So I guess that's why I kind of get lost in meetings sometimes when they're not pertaining to me. What was the last good book you read? The last good book I read? Let's see, what was the last good book I read? It was uh, Eli Wilson's goaltending book. <laughs> now that is thinking on your feet. Uh, what's the motivation for your bear tattoo? A bear tattoo? Uh, well, um, my First Nations band, the, the logo has a grizzly bear on the front. So all the characters in my tattoos are all have to do with either family or that logo. So everything in there means a lot to me. What was the favorite book that you read? I really enjoyed the J.R.R. Tolkien's books, the Lord of the Rings books, the Hobbit's books. Uh, those are books that I've read a couple of times. And uh, I don't know, just kind of always been drawn to that. I guess that's the creative mind. Camper submitted this one. Were you a brainy person at school? Brainy? No, I was, there's a, I think everybody has their strengths and attributes. Um, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm dumb, but I don't think I'm smart. So, you know, I think, uh, I think there's some aspects. I think my brain works really well and there's others that it doesn't. Mathematics is not something that I feel like I'm very strong at, but I feel like I'm a very creative mind. Carrie, you touched on game day prep. We have another online submission that asks about getting mentally ready for a big game. Are there any techniques you use or is every game pretty much the same? Yeah, I think uh, routine is important. Um, I think you fall into a comfortable routine, um, but not being so 
so adamant on the details of that routine that you have to be superstitious. I don't think superstition is something that uh, benefits many people. Well, it might benefit some people, but I just find that it can become a distraction. I don't like that. So I do have a routine that I go through and somewhat follow most of the time. But uh, those are mostly things that just get me ready for games, like taping my stick and having a cup of coffee. They're things that I'm going to be doing anyway. So Skate sharpening a topic now. Do you change it up based on the time of season? such as do you use a different number in the summer when the ice is softer compared to the middle of the season in Montreal? Yeah, I definitely, uh, if you're going to, you know, different ice conditions throughout the league, uh, vary. You know, they try to make it as consistent as possible, but it's just not possible. So you wind up playing on some soft surfaces where maybe you might go from, uh, you know, I, I typically like to have mine at half. So, you know, they might be a little bit sharper when the ice is super, super fast or might be a little less when it's a little bit sluggish. Bullying carry. Uh, do you have any suggestions on how to handle it? Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a real issue that, uh, that you're going to have to deal with at some point. But I would, my advice to people who wind up in that situation would be don't let that situation define you. Let how you react define you so if you react in a positive manner that's going to reflect your your ability and your personality so wonderful final one what is your pregame meal that also varies um you know we have a the montreal canadians do a very good job of taking care of us for for a pregame meal so everything is all buffet style and they'll have just about every type of protein you could think of and different types of carbohydrates so it gets old eating pasta and chicken every every game, so I'll mix it up anywhere with quinoa or brown rice or vegetables. And it's I don't have anything real set, but um, typically I'll have some type of car carbohydrate and a protein. Bullying antidote. Great way uh, at the end of that segment uh, to wrap things up. We'll have more Carey Price at the end of this episode with a cool little segment on preparing his sticks. But Woody and Hutch, uh, you both were able to ask questions uh, during that segment. Uh, you guys were inside the room. Uh, Woody, just your thoughts. I mean, it just Carey being Carey, like we're used to this at this point. Actually, to be honest with you, the crew last year was a little livelier. The questions were... Uh, some of them a little more pointed. Um, if I remember correctly, last year, I think somebody asked him if he basically, if you could go somewhere else other than Montreal, but you could win a cup, like, would you kind of thing? So, um, and, and what's beautiful is he just, he's so relaxed in there. Um, he, he really does open up with them. And it's just, it's such a great environment to see and be part of. Uh, I normally do have a little bit of a longer sit down with him. Uh, outside of the Q&A period, usually write an article out of it um, for InGoal or NHL.com. It's funny because as we had this little gap in the schedule, he said, uh, he said, okay, so this is the time where I got to do a long interview. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's like, no, guess what? We're going to give you a break. We're just going to let the kids fire away here. You don't have to put up with Woody. So it was, it was good. Um, uh, so many different little angles there. You know, interesting. A lot of the stuff we chit chat about uh, outside of the mic being on, for example, the skate sharpening, he talked about 
different sharpenings, potentially depending on the ice situations. He was telling us earlier that the trainer in Montreal, I think it's Pierre Gervais, um, he'll actually change the skate sharpenings on players based on ice conditionings and not tell them all the time because he knows how it's going to feel and they don't even notice when they hit the ice. So to be honest with the ice conditions and, uh, and skate sharpenings are not something I ever would have thought of, but the ice conditions vary so widely in the NHL that it was, uh, it was a great question. And that came, uh, that came actually off our Instagram. I don't have the, the reader in front of me, but you know, when you say me and Hutch ask questions in my case, a lot of them were just questions that I pulled off our Instagram feed from our listeners or from people that are sending us emails asked to ask questions of our guests. What's that email address you can send questions to Hutch? Uh, gosh, uh, would that be podcast at ingoldmag.com, Kevin? Yeah. And so some of those questions you mentioned, Darren, that we asked were, were, were basically based on, um, based on that, based on, uh, those questions to, to, to that email. And I'm actually, as I'm talking here, I'm just trying to find the person that asked the question, but I can't. So you know who you are. Good job. Good question. One of the things that really stood out for, for me every year at this, um, you know, sometimes we talk about how players can be far too vanilla with the media in the dressing room. They've got set answers. They're trained from a young age, how to answer questions <clears throat> without controversy. Uh, Whereas Kerry completely lets his guard down in the room. And every year there's a moment where Woody and I look at each other with our eyes bulging, thinking, oh my gosh, if we reported what he just said, uh, the media firestorm would be just crazy uh, because he's just completely honest with these kids. Um, the trust that he shows in everybody in the room is amazing, Kevin. Well, we, we should also put a little caveat there because it, it's not because it's hugely controversial. No, exactly. But, but because we know what the spin would be put attached to those comments. And it's it's not meant that way, but that's the yeah. reality of, you know, a little tidbit or a little like it just wildfire, especially in a market like Montreal. And and again, he's just honest with these kids. He's just honest with us. And, and there's a trust there that we're not going to take it out of context and pull something and and turn it into a firestorm, which, you know, frankly, is just a you know, unfortunately a reality you know, for, for, for a lot of markets and a lot of media. So, yeah. um, it creates a really nice relaxed environment and for the kids, like being on the ice with him, having him, like I've seen him tie kids skates in there, Darren, like young kids just, you know, Hey, can you help me tie my skates? Absolutely. It's like a hockey Uncle dad. In there. Yeah. And Uncle it's yeah. that environment to me, uh, as much as the parents are watching them on the ice and participating in breakfast, it's getting to be a part of that. The fact that he doesn't ask for his own dressing room, that he just sits in there with 18 kids and shares stories and shares tips and tells jokes and gives them little shots, little ribbing here and there, just like a chirp in the locker room. Um, that's all part of what makes this day so special. And it's been really fun to watch him get more and more comfortable in that environment and just more and more comfortable with the kids. I think especially since he's become a dad too. He was always good with the kids right from the get-go, but he's even more relaxed now. The uh, the red pads was one interesting question because it's basically a summer set. The other part was uh, about changing pads and how his gloves and, and his pads have that red uh, backing on them. So he's he really doesn't see much of a difference whether he's in season or wearing the white ones or the the red ones uh, out of season. I I never would have thought of that part. No, I did. I thought of the red pads again when Kevin was talking firestorm too, because uh, as we were sitting there 
I, I forget the scenario, but Carrie sort of feigned anger at something, um, quite joking. And then he looked at me and he goes, Ooh, it's a red pad day. And I sort of laughed and, and wasn't sure what he was talking about, but it was funny. And, and he said, well, you know, in, in Montreal, sometimes I practice in white, sometimes I practice in red. And it's become a joke with, uh, Steph Waite and me that if I show up in red, um, Steph will look at me and go, Oh, oh it's a red pad day. Cause, uh, I tend to be grumpy on the red pad days. So, uh, yeah, it was kind of funny. Fire. Yeah. What about the paddle length and the experimentation between the 25-inch paddle, 25 and a half, and the, uh, the standard, uh, for him anyway, is, is 26, Woody? Well, I mean, he, I mean, he talked about why and, and the reasons in terms of, uh, you know, much, much like the reason last year, one of the big gear elements that broke out of our day with Carey Price, and it's a credit to our audience, first picture we put up of him, just real quick picture of him on the ice, Right away, they noticed he had switched to a 590 glove from a 600 break. And CCM basically built the 600 break, which for most goalies will know is more. The common anecdote is it closes more like a first baseman's mitt, sort of the tip of your index finger to the tip of your thumb type closure. They built that for Kerry because that's what he had uh, when he used to be in Vaughn. And it's become a very popular glove break for them. Uh, well, he switched to the 590 at this skate. That was the first time it was public. And he wore it all season. And much like the paddle length, the reasoning was he felt like he could, like the more the glove was, he could keep it tight to him. Like there was more tight coverage versus a 600 glove, the pocket sort of extending further out away from his hand. He felt like he didn't need that coverage out. He wanted more coverage in tight. And you heard him talk about the paddle length. The idea being a shorter paddle keeps that blocker in tight a little bit. But what happened on the ice is he felt like then instinctively he was reaching a little bit because of the shorter paddle. And so that hole you've closed the blocker now opens up because of the reach. Uh, I think the tell for sure, like he talked about a couple went under the stick. I mean, think of how many hundreds of thousands of reps he has now used in his adult life with a 26 inch paddle. You knock an inch off that, it's going to change things. Instinctively, he puts the stick down to where it should be on the ice and it will be off the ice and pucks were going underneath. But I think maybe the big one, Hutch, was uh, the one on a low shot drill that, ramped up perfectly right up into the net and you could see that it caught him by surprise uh and and again a part of that's not happening if he's in his regular stick but the fact he was experimenting and sort of trying to feel how will this change my game was kind of neat to watch that process and and he walked in there with a 25 he had a 25 and a half ready to go to test for the second session and of course his staple was the is, is the 26 and my hunch much like the skates um, you know, we saw him experiment with different skates over the years and end up back in a, a graph cowling because he likes the pitch. He likes the angle. He likes being close to the ice like that. He'll probably go back to what he used in the past. But I love that even at this stage of his career with Vezina trophies and gold medals uh, and heart trophies, he's still tinkering. He's still experimenting. He's still trying new things like gear, including red pads, despite the fact, as he said, white looks bigger. <laughs> and funny that there's a kid maybe 16 years old shooting on him there you know so he's making his decision on equipment for the year based on a 16 year old kid taking about a half a dozen shots on him uh, I don't think the kid realized the impact he could have on the NHL this year <laughs> influences uh, come in various shapes and sizes and ages uh, we'll have more on price at the end of this episode with that cool uh, segment on preparing his sticks we now slide out to Source for Sports Surrey in the hockey shop for the in-goal gear segment. Woody, segueing to upper body gear last week with the Warrior line. Today, the manufacturer is Vaughn, a company that has uh, 
on the tuck inside the pants side of the chest and arm. Woody. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop, Source for Sports here in Surrey, British Columbia, the suburbs of Vancouver, or you can find them at thehockeyshop.com. I'm back in the basement, or as we like to call it, goalie heaven, the goalie department, here with Cam Matwiv. We're going to talk again about chest protectors. We've been in and out with chest protectors over the past couple of weeks. Uh, this week, we're going to look at the Vaughn line, and that means, once again, much like the Warrior line, Cam, I'm going to have to lean heavily on you. Um, it's been a few years since we tested Warrior. It's been forever since we've tested Vaughn. Um, unfortunately for InGoal and for InGoal readers, they're a company that uh, doesn't like to have their product reviewed um, by us. That's just kind of what we've been told. So we're leaning on you, bud. Uh, tell me about, we're going to start with the SLR too. Tell me uh, tell me what works, what doesn't work, what you like, uh, what most importantly, what the feedback has been from customers. This is the latest in their line, kind of matches the rest of the, the line. We've talked about the SLR2 pads and gloves. Um, what's new, what's different on the chest protector? Uh, it kind of continues on with the already kind of successful design with their original um, SLR chest protector. Um, in terms of differences, there's much more similarities and differences. Um, again, just more of an update in terms of some of the materials being used, just some higher quality air knit material in particular. Um, you still get all their carbon protection and whatnot. Nice squared off shoulders. This would be designed a little bit more of a kind of a, a tuck-in style of chest and designed to be a little bit wider up in the shoulders area in, in particular. Not necessarily adding overall height to your body like presentation, but adding kind of width to it. Um, nicely squared off too with the shoulder floaters. So it really helps you to kind of seal up, especially in a nice kind of tight butterfly. So you don't have any holes, you know, through the sides of your arms or anything like that. Not an overly long torso and and, and we talked about it with a warrior for guys that like to untuck. They had sort of you could that Velcro that you could add onto the bottom. We've seen that with the Bauer 2X Pro. They don't see that in this one. No, and again, that just kind of reiterates more so the fact that it is more something that's been designed to be integrated with the set of pants as opposed to uh, left out in front for sure. Okay, and what are when when we talk about the arms? When we talk about mobility, like you talk about that presentation of that nice wide shoulder. Uh, how is it in terms of arm mobility? Not just in terms of catching pucks, deflecting pucks with the blocker. Um, but when I look at uh, that sort of width of the chest uh, and, you know, pretty stable, I don't want to say rigid's not the word because Vaughn's been you know, always known for their sort of mobility, but how is that arm range of motion in terms of um, cradling pucks in front of your chest? Like, does it close? Is it easy to get the arms in front as well as? you know, out and about for making gloves safe. It'd be something you kind of have to try on and see if, it, if it's right for you in that sense because the mobility is going to be different than, you know, your classic run-of-the-mill Vaughn chest with just the way the floaters are and the size of them. Um, a couple of nice features that they have, like, tried to address that a little bit is adding the suspender clips to the top floaters to be able to kind of have another way to secure the floaters down a little bit more. Um, you know, it gives you, again, a little bit of that adjustability and playability options. But that said, in terms of for, like, crossing your arms and whatnot um they've thought of this again a little bit they do have pads that you've seen uh, on other von chest actually underneath the shoulder floaters that help to kick them up a little bit if you do take those out that will increase your cross arm mobility a little bit more oh so those are i can see that there's there's velcro underneath the shoulder floaters and those secondary pads are removable so That's again correct. you know personalization customization we talk about chest protectors being the most personal unit we wear as goaltenders so anytime you add the ability to sort of customize it to your preferences uh, that's a positive and that's a nice feature here from Vaughn having that sort of second layer under the shoulder floater. Uh, any other features on this one? Any other feedback you're hearing from goaltenders that have used it that you like? Um, 
some adjustability of the shoulder wings, Velcro in behind, uh, sort of onto the back plate so you can adjust how those shoulder floaters sit in terms of how high on the shoulders, how low on the shoulders. Uh, that looks like a nice piece of adjustability. And and the arms, for the most part, look like they follow a traditional model for Vaughn. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's not something too, too far off that you haven't seen from them before. Uh, so that sense, there's a good sense of comfortability with the chest. If you've had a previous model, you should be able to jump right into this guy, no problem. Okay, so uh, one thing we know about Vaughn is uh, lots of models. Um, so let's move on from the SLR2 uh, and walk me through what what's next sort of in the progression and what changes um, in terms of why you'd choose this one instead of the SLR2. So the next one we're going to be looking at is a Pro-V Elite Carbon. Um, so this one's a bit more of a limited edition uh, style of chest, and this follows the older V7, V6, V5 models um, in terms of that high cut shoulder with a little bit more rounded on the width of the size of the chest, but it's more kind of stacking up, especially right beside your your neck to give you more of that high up profile, um, especially making you look almost taller inside the net when you kind of go down. So um, this still plays by that same kind of uh, category. Um, similar adjustments to you've seen off of uh, the older velocity lines of, of chest. This is kind of that continuation of it. Um, overall, good fit, good adjustability, tried to trusted design, um, sits on the wall is something that if you've had, again, a previous model Vaughn, especially in the velocity V5, V6, you know, even V7, for example, it's going to uh, look and feel familiar to you. A, a, exactly. Exactly. And it's just, you know, a, it's got their carbon enhancement, which that picked up at about the V6 kind of timeline. Right. Um, they've just improved some of the adjustments and the features. You're getting the snap clips on the shoulders again for your suspenders. Also a button clip for, um, your lace tie as well. Gives you another kind of little bit of flexibility on how you're wearing it, quick adjustment on and off kind of thing. Um, other than that, still, once again, similar to what you've seen in the past, just a bit of an updated graphic. So you, when you say limited edition, that means what? Uh, it means it, you won't find this in every single store. Um, any store that's carrying their Carbon Elite Pro line, in theory, will have the ability to uh, have this chest and carry it, for example. But it won't be something you'll see in every single store. Okay, but you will find it here at the Hockey Shop Source for Sports and the Hockey shop.com speaking of sort of exclusive and models next up in the line let, let's talk about this is you've got the velocity here but this is this is hockey shop spec yes. walk me through this model what how it compares um to the other two and what makes it hockey shop spec so the V8 um, Pro Carbon chest in particular is a continuation off of, uh, they came around with the V6 2200 model, which was pushing, you know, weight and different kind of foams to be used in a chest to be able to, A, have the lightest weight chest as possible, but still be mobile and protective. That's actually the last one we had. Now, we weren't able to take it out and test it, um, but certainly the fit and feel that on that one down the path is something that continued it, with I mean, features that, that was that, a big one for them, that, that, V6 that, one. that, that chest protector offered. What we got here in front of us is, again, a little bit of an evolution of what that chest is and also a bit of our, our take and taking feedback from what we've heard from uh, customers and also uh, pros and our pro connections like yourself um, in terms of what this chest needs to perform even at a higher level. So what's particularly different between this and a standard V8 Pro Carbon off the wall um, is that our beef up package. So the Hockey Shop spec VEHS that we carry, we have a beefed up uh, forearm, beefed up bicep and beefed up sternum plate so all areas of the chest where we again through feedback and whatnot through the previous lines have identified that those are areas that the chest was kind of lacking a little bit especially over an extended period of time so we went and added a quarter inch of plastic you know back into all three of those pieces so when you say beefed up i mean we've heard in the past 
uh, at the pro level, guys ask for quote unquote pro beef arms versus what's on the racket retail elsewhere. This equivalent to that? That's correct. Yes. So that gives it, again, that bit of a leg up, um, you know, to so give you that elite level. So it's more of a true pro model off the wall than you might see sort of hanging on the wall in other stores. That's correct. Okay. Okay. Um, and that retails compared to the other ones, like it, like that spec and that sort of pro beef, is that costing you a little bit extra? That's correct. So you do see it reflective a bit on the price and that's why you will see, you know, different prices for V8 pro carbon chest protectors online. But uh, again, keep in mind that ours has got a, a little bit of a leg up. So if you're a guy that doesn't like to feel pucks in the arms, because that's been always been the balance for Vaughn. I think they've always been seen as a mobile chest protector. Um, but a lot of the guys that wear them, I and we see it up to the NHL, the guys that come that complain the least were guys that were in Vaughn models because they're used to feeling pucked. Everybody's different. Um, some guys like to feel more than others. This is, you know, you add that pro beef to the arms if you feel like uh, that fine line between feeling pucks and having them leave marks is not something you want to cross. Exactly, exactly. Okay, perfect. Cam, thanks for walking us through the Vaughn chest protector lineup this week. Um, if, if you have any questions, if our listeners have any questions, they can check out thehockeyshop.com, see if they can get them answered online. But if you want to ask Cam some questions directly, if you're looking you know, at their sort of the, their unique model on the VE8 or the SLR2 or have any other questions, where can they get you at, Cam? Uh, you can give me a call at 604-589-8299. Perfect. All right. We will talk to you again soon. Thanks, Kevin. Another great trip out to the hockey shop, source for sports, uh, thehockeyshop.com, dealing with the Vaughn line. Jonathan Quick's uh, graphics uh, came out this week. Interesting little uh, tweak as the LA Kings uh, Vesna Trophy winner, uh, Con Smythe winner, uh, gets ready for his season. But just uh, getting back to to. Well, the Vaughn chest and arm, and uh, and the savings that can occur with Source for Sports Hutch. Just like Kerry said to us that in a long meeting, his mind tends to wander, and he doesn't need to worry about Montreal's own forecheck. Uh, as Woody was voicing the uh, bit about the hockey shop and U.S. dollars, my mind started to wander and started to do a few calculations myself because I like to figure out exactly what we're talking about. So I did a little bit of research and I looked at the hockey shop, and just for example. Um, the hockey shop right now has that, uh, VE8 pro carbon chest protector at, uh, 637 Canadian. And, uh, I went over to probably the biggest U S retailer and they've got it running, um, probably about a hundred bucks Canadian more than that. So if you look at that, uh, that unit in American dollars, it's 559. If you look at the one at the hockey shop in American dollars, it would be, uh, only about, uh, 440 bucks. So you're looking at about $100 US saving if you uh, get it shipped from our friends at the hockey shop. The uh, the Ventus unit, which uh, the Ventus Pro Carbon unit, which is running at 560 at this large American retailer. Uh, if you were to get it from the hockey shop, uh, you'd get it for 479 American. So uh, some huge savings there available right now. Oh, you had me at savings, uh, Woody. Just uh, the the idea that uh, that it's beefed up too that uh, you can get the uh, the chest and arm that's that's gone through the feedback and and is ready for you. Yeah, it's, I talk about this every week. It's why I go to the hockey shop. It's why I think people should give them if you haven't already, and you're our listeners, you should give them a check them out at hockeyshop.com. Again, it's goalies. Uh, on the floor, helping helping you know provide the service, guys that understand the position, and that that extends to Cam. Like Cam is also a part of the ordering, um, and the hockey shop has enough pull 
and the hockey shop source for sports as well has enough pull with these major manufacturers uh, that their line of or their version of these lines is often has a few additional, you know, uh, beefed up specs or different specs uh, based on the feedback they get from their customers, based on the feedback they get from their employees. Like I said, guys that play the position and understand the position, guys like Jono, who we had on like a month ago, filling in for camp, you know, who's heading into junior A camps this week. Like these guys, they get it. And so the gear they order and the gear they sell reflects that. And I think uh, the beefed up version of the Vaughn chest protectors is another good example of that. And what do you have next week regarding the chest and arm? Yeah, actually next week's going to be fun. We're going to take a little, we're going to mix things up a little bit. As much as we love camp, we want to, we want to dial back. You know, I've, I've been told the mask isn't fitting on the Winnie the Pooh head. We need to sort of, <laughs> we need to sort of rein it in a little bit. We're going to mix things up. We're going to start, uh, we're going to start mixing in our sessions at the hockey shop with some sessions. It'll still be brought to you by the hockey shop, but we're going to, we're going to go directly to some of the manufacturers. And next week, uh, we're actually going to one of the researchers, um, Dr. Ryan Frain, who has done a lot of sort of goalie biomechanics research involving equipment. And we're going to talk to him about, we saw this uh, at a presentation with CCM earlier this year, where the, the science behind chest protectors and the research he did in terms of how goalie arms really move in a chest protector to make saves versus some of the silly antics that we see when we go into a store and pull it off the wall and try and like scratch our ear and stuff. And where are the similarities? <laughs> where are the differences? Like what should you really be testing? And it's really interesting because uh, we've got it in a review coming up on the on the CCM Eflex chest protector. But you know they they went back to the drawing board on some aspects, uh, especially in, in the front uh, and chest area of that E-Flex, uh, the new E-Flex shield chest protector based on his research to make sure that, that the range of motion that we actually want as a goaltender is reflected in the product and not we're not just thinking about, again, those same tests um, that so many goalies do when they go in and geek out a store, they throw the chesty on and they grab their ears and yeah, Hey, you got to put on your mask, but how your arms move in front of your chest to smother pucks, uh, and, and hold on to pucks with body safes, things like that. It was fascinating to hear Ryan talking. So he's going to come on the show as a guest next week and break some of that down for us. I'm really looking forward to it. It might be the most important chest and arm segment ever. Uh, because it, there's so much science into it. So looking forward to it. Uh, also a heads up, next week's uh, feature interview is an in-depth conversation with Mike Condon, uh, a Princeton grad. Condon does not leave any stone unturned, walking Kevin through his challenging season a year ago, uh, the future with his new club in Florida, and uh, reflecting on his road to the NHL. So it's a fun, interesting, educational discussion that's perfect for the podcast world. That's next week on Ingle Radio, the podcast, and and Woody. It uh, it goes from training and and watching Instagram and thinking that he should be doing those same drills. It it really does cover the gamut. Yeah, and it, it's I'm going to give everybody a heads up. It's a long one, and mm -hmm. I think you'll want to stick around because uh, that's the benefit of going to Kelowna. We we had the day with Kerry um, and and Eli Wilson goaltending on Sunday. I stuck around for an extra couple of days. Uh, spent Monday with Mike Condon, uh, off the ice talking. Uh, Tuesday, I was on the ice with Mike Condon and and also James Reimer. Both of those, as well as Carrie, there's a little teaser here for our fans. Uh, we did basically what we're going to call a pro read segment. 
and we had we had it was almost like they, they actually their words this is like sitting down and watching video with my goalie coach during an NHL season we went through plays and saves had them break down their reads that led to the saves why they played things a certain way uh and I cannot wait to get through the production stage of that and start bringing that to uh to the audience at ingolmag.com and if there's any questions or comments uh inquiries uh woody and uh, and hutch well hutch let's go to you because i think that that the read needs a little bit more enthusiasm you're 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 getting too comfortable with your your podcast read with the email <laughs> radio voice radio voice i'll have to do yeah a where's bit the of work radio on voice? that yeah okay so if anybody has questions for us gents we'd love to hear from you send them to podcast at ingolmag.com kevin reads them darren reads them i read them Love to hear from you all at podcast at ingolmag.com. And just to give them a little heads up, uh, as much as Mike Condon's already recorded, like I said, we took your questions to Carey Price. Some of the names we've got in the upcoming weeks here scheduled. Um, Martin Jones this week. We'll have a chat with him for the future. Uh, hoping to hook up in person with Laurent Brassois of the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, we've scheduled some phone time with Connor Hellebuck before the season starts. And I know we promised it before and we just had a little bit of schedule problems, but he checked back in with me this week, uh, Carter Hart of the Philadelphia Flyers. So make sure that we uh, get your questions in for those goalies. Again, podcast at ingolmag.com. I may not have the voice like Hutch, uh, but I give you the names. Make sure you send us questions for him. Yeah, you know, we'll leave it to to Hutch. He, everybody's got their thing. That that's Hutch's. He he dominates all the good world for. of promo. Yeah. No, it's not. Uh, <laughs> our thanks to everyone at Eli Wilson Goalie Camps for inviting In Goal out to the day with Kerry Price. We hope you enjoyed Kerry's second appearance on this podcast. We leave you with some bonus material now. We're posting this on our website at ingoalmag.com, but uh, the audio version is coming your way. Kerry Price walking us through how he prepares his sticks and the reason for his interesting tape job. Enjoy it. We appreciate any feedback. Let us know with uh, a like at your podcast provider or send us an email or direct message. As promised, here is Kerry Price and how and why he tapes his sticks the way he does. But what I typically do is I'll just, uh, I'll usually split my tape and I'll just run it around like so. Kind of build it up a little bit. As you can see, it's about the same width as my hand. And I'll usually go around, um, you know, five or six times. But for the sake of time, I'll just cut it short. I'll just go around three times. Um, and then I'll, I usually run grip tape. Uh, I just find that grip tape, you don't get that kind of gummy buildup in your palm. I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about. Um, I think, uh, I don't even know if we're allowed to run red grip tape on the top anymore, but they make us uh, use white for some reason. For some reason, they don't want your stick to look like a puck because that looks like a puck. And what I also do is I'll run some tape around the handle. I've just always, I've always run tape above the paddle. I just, 
I don't know. I just uh, I just like the grip, I guess. Uh, maybe dampens a bit of the vibration, maybe a little bit. But uh, it's just something I've always done. So what I'll also do is on both ends of the grip tape, I'll just run a little strip of stick tape because grip tape tends to want to roll up on you. So that minimizes the kind of adhesive buildup that you find in the palm of your blocker side when you've been stick handling a lot. Black tape is the absolute worst for that. So I don't recommend putting black because uh, you'll ruin your blocker. And your mom and dad probably won't like that. So then the bottom of my stick, I usually uh, start at about yay. And I am from North America, so I tape my stick from heel to toe. A lot of my uh, Russian and European counterparts would disagree with this, but that's the way I do it. So I always, uh, I've always taped the toe of my stick. Just the way I run things. And I usually keep a set of scissors in my little kit. But I see that those scissors have graduated into my toolbox in my garage. So I don't have scissors. So I guess I'll just have to uh, pretend. Yep, he knows what I'm talking about. So I just fold it over a little bit and make that nice and tight like that. And I use these nice little scissors for my friend. Thank you. And that is how I tape a hockey stick. Thank you. That was nice.